from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, a land-grant, space-grant, R1 research institution. Learn more at wvu.edu. Good evening from the Capitol Building in Charleston. I'm Suzanne Higgins. Tonight on the legislature today, support for and opposition to a bill that would cut funding for Greyhound racing at two West Virginia tracks. That's later in the program, but first, senior reporter Dave Mistich and reporter Emily Allen join us for a news update. Welcome, guys. Now, Emily, we had what's known as a reading of the bills for the first time this session in the House today. And that's where the entire bill is read instead of just the title uh, when the bill is up for consideration. It's a, it's a maneuver that's employed by members uh, to show displeasure, to, to make some kind of statement. Tell us what led up to this and, and, and the reason for it really like to correct you it was actually several readings of the bill I think um, so obviously we know when a bill's on the third reading it's been you know read three times over the course of like three occasions so um, delegate Eric Porterfield a Republican from Mercer County who we've been talking about a bit this week um, requested that I think almost every bill maybe not one on third reading be read in its entirety today and there's a reason that delegates typically don't do that it's because these pages are like several pages long um, so he did not say publicly on the floor today why he requested that every bill be read, um, but we can kind of fill in some blanks, I suppose. He did issue a press release today, and yesterday we were talking about him on the same program um, because he had talked a little bit about how um, allegedly a Republican delegate had aggressively intimidated him intoxicatedly in the parking lot after a vote. Um, in a press release today, he named that individual as being Delegate Brandon Steele, a Republican from Raleigh County, who denies it, uh, cites witnesses. So anyways, um, today, Eric Porterfield, maybe related to that, maybe not, requested that all these bills be read in their entirety. Um, he did not mention Delegate Steele on the floor today, but he did mention another gentleman, um, a former delegate, Michael Folk, who had just, uh, he was on the floor because he's a former delegate. I guess you retained some privileges in that sense. So while all these bills are being read, people are just walking around, you know, at each other's desks, just chatting. Michael stops by Delegate Porterfield's desk. Um, and according to both gentlemen, he basically, um, you know, told Delegate Porterfield, this is BS. Um, it, it was profanity, both confirmed. So in this clip that we're about to play, um, Delegate Porterfield is speaking with the Speaker of the House, and he is asking the full House to vote to revoke uh, former Delegate Folks's privileges. Can we play the clip? Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I would like to ask from the chair if those that are in the gallery that have the privileges of the floor are allowed to come to delegates' desks and use profanity. Is that allowed? And if it, and if it is not, I'm requesting a suspension of the floor privileges from former delegate Mike Folk. Uh, the use of, of profanity is prohibited on the use of the floor in debate. Uh, the, the rules are silent as to the communications between members on the floor to one another or to members and others others on the floor to each other. Uh, the, the use of profanity is prohibited on the actual House floor. 
What about if someone that has the privileges of the floor, they allow to come and approach delegates considering certain legislation or certain decisions that are being made? The rules of the House preclude the admission of registered lobbyists on the floor. The rules of the House are otherwise silent as to the scope of which former members may engage while they're uh, present on the House floor. I request the privileges of the floor for Mike Falk be suspended permanently. And what happened? Um, the motion failed. I think there are about two other delegates that voted with Delegate Porterfield. Um, so yeah, it, it failed overwhelmingly. Um, Porterfield said he's been in touch with Capitol Police related to the incident he talked about yesterday. Uh, the Democratic Party in West Virginia denounced the whole thing today in a press release of their own. And so Delegate Porterfield continued to request Ooh, that yeah, the this bills was in the be middle paid. Of we were on the floor for four hours For today. four hours. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. Now, Dave, the governor made some very angry comments at a basketball game last night that right. he was coaching. That's right. So there? everybody uh, remembers that the governor coaches the girls' basketball team at Greenbrier East. Um, you know, this has been something that he's done for years, and he's continued to do that. This as governor. Um, Going to give you the backstory to all these this, this comments, and he, he defended these comments. But um, over the course of this basketball game against Woodrow Wilson High School in Beckley, the, the game took place in Greenbrier County in Fairley. Um, the governor basically uh, there was there was some altercations on the floor on the on the basketball court, and also there was apparently an, an altercation um, between a, an assistant coach of Woodrow Wilson and a fan in the stands. Um, this, is the girls team. this is the girls team, of course. Um, and so this game wound up being called before it was over. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And speaking to a reporter from the Beckley Register Herald, the governor called the team and coaches thugs. Um, and you know, today he released a statement that that defended those comments. And I'll read some of some of that statement. He said, "My definition of a thug is clear. It means violence, bullying, and disorderly conduct. And we as West Virginians should have zero tolerance for this kind of behavior." He went on to to note that. Um, you know, that he, he, he said that anyone that would, would accuse him of making a racial slur is, quote, totally absurd. Uh, and then went on to say that this, this assistant coach from Woodrow Wilson uh, was cited by state police for obstructing an officer. Um, you know, so, so this, is, this sort of sparked a lot of conversation on the House of Delegates today. Uh, of course, the Senate session had, had wrapped up uh, by the time all of this, uh, Governor Justice had made his statement. But we'll hear now from Delegate Sean Fluharty of Ohio County. Uh, condemning the governor and, and basically saying that he needs to own these comments and apologize for them. Mr. Speaker, I think when we run for office, we try to get rid of the stereotypes that plague the state of West Virginia, the stereotypes that we fight against, that we're a state that supports bigotry, a state that supports racism. It's something all of us, I believe, we can agree on. So I take offense. When the governor of our state, the governor of our state refuses to acknowledge, refuses to simply say, I'm sorry, when he makes statements like he did last night. Because that's what West Virginians do. We own up to our mistakes, but our governor is unwilling to own up to his. Dave, tell us about the team. So Woodrow Wilson in Beckley has one of the most racially diverse student populations in the state. Uh, there are some some young black ladies on this team and some of the coaches are, are African-American as well. So that's sort of what, what's coloring the, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, the, the, um, the, this conversation around all of this is, is the, some, some supposed racial overtones. Um, you know, the governor, you know, did not apologize again. He 
said that it wasn't a racial slur. Uh, should point out that you know he's made some comments in the past that have been questionable or that people have criticized, I should say, uh, using the phrase Chinaman's chance about a bill's chances of survival. Um, but, but basically, you know, this has sparked a lot of conversation here at the Capitol and on the House of Delegates floor today, um, but the governor defending his, his comments, so. Yeah, and Delegate Fluharty wasn't the only one to, that, that spoke about those, those comments That's today. Right. All right, Emily, what else happened in the House today? Um, so much, it seems like. We discussed briefly before, you know, all the entirety readings and these remarks that Dave just got talked about, the Defend the Guard Act. We talked about this a few, uh, last week. Um, it is a bill basically from Delegate Patrick McGeehan, a Republican out of Hancock County in the Northern Panhandle. Um, it would require the U.S. Congress to actually declare a war before it's allowed to deploy West Virginia National Guard members abroad. Um, so that bill was, it passed out of the Government, Veteran Affairs, and Homeland Security Committee last night. It was referred to Judiciary this morning. Delegate McGeehan attempted to uh, move that out of its second reference onto, we would assume, the House floor for consideration. That motion failed. Um, most notably, what happened today, there were a few delegates, um, including Delegate uh, Tom Bibby, a Republican from Berkeley County who chairs the committee that heard it last night. Um, their opinions have changed about the bill. Last week they mentioned supporting it. Um, this week, uh, Delegate Bibby said that his opinion has changed. He doesn't think it's very constitutional. All right, thanks, Emily. And, and Dave, in the Senate, Senator uh, Randy Smith uh, made, made a, a similar kind of motion to get uh, his uh, secondary roads funding bill out of committee. Tell us about it. Right, well, you know, there's some backstory to this as well, mm -hmm. of course. Um, last year, uh, the Senate passed, uh, I believe it was Senate Bill 522, it calls for some accountability in road construction, the way that the state is spending money on road construction. Uh, you know, Senator Smith uh, got that bill passed through the Senate, it passed the House. Governor Justice actually wound up vetoing that bill, um, you know, uh, at the end of the session. And so today, uh, Senator Smith, who originated a bill in his energy uh, industry and mining um, committee, called for the, uh, you know, this bill had been referenced to multiple other committees. And so Senator Smith was trying to fast track this bill. Uh, we'll take a listen to some of his comments arguing for this bill to come to the floor today. Here we are on day 36. We have not uh, addressed one single road issue this whole session, and everybody in this body knows how important the roads are to the citizens of West Virginia. Maybe I'm the only one that's taking a beating. Well, I know my co-senator is taking a beating every time we go home on the weekend or the phone calls we receive. Maybe we're the only ones. I, I can't hardly believe that. But this bill was brought out of the committee because lack of interest. I was told, and I just, I have a problem with sending this to a double reference committee. This is the same bill, basically, that was voted out of here 34 to nothing last year, 98 to nothing on the other side. I know the man downstairs, not the man upstairs, the man downstairs does not want this bill. I get it. It's politics. But I think we ought to have a chance to at least give it to him and let him make the decision that he's the one that doesn't want to fix the road, that it's not this body that doesn't want to fix the roads. And Suzanne, this, um, I should clarify that this motion was to send the bill to committee and Senator Smith uh, objected as did others. Um, but those that, that wanted this bill to go to committee argued that, you know, this is the process. We shouldn't be doing this with a bill that originates in committee. Um, so it is being sent to two more committees before it will hit the Senate floor. We'll see if that makes it all the way through the process. All right, Dave Mistich, Emily Allen, thank you so much. Thank you.
Today, the West Virginia Council on Churches held what they called a Compassion Calls Us rally here at the Capitol. The Council is an advocacy group made up of 15 churches of Christian denominations. Randy Yowie reports. And so compassion, love, is what calls us to act, act for this common good. West Virginia Council of Churches leaders say this rally's mission was to reframe and refocus legislative issue and policy debates, to go from economic and ideological concerns back to the common good and the human beings involved. Speakers delivered pointed political pleas, like support for immigration and refugees. We are not just helping an immigrant keep their family together or a refugee to rebuild their lives. We are helping a soul, a person, a fellow human being. It's not a matter of us versus the demonized other. It's a matter of protecting the life and dignity of a human person. A group of Boone County students spoke in support of food security in West Virginia, highlighting House Bill 2794, the Summer Feeding for All initiative. We need HB 2794 passed because children like me, when I was younger, my family didn't have enough food to eat throughout the week. We didn't have anywhere to go get food. We never knew when or where to get food. And we did not have money to get groceries from the store. On criminal justice reform, the speaker talked about the unfairness of 100,000 West Virginians whose driver's licenses were taken away. Quite simply because they can't afford to pay fines and fees associated with a court appearance or a traffic violation. Other issues promoted affordable health care, foster care, protecting drinking water, and supporting renewable energy. With rallies and public speaking, op-ed pieces, and discussions with legislators, the West Virginia Council of Churches strives to call people to action, using a public voice to shape the state's public affairs. I'm Randy Yowie for the Legislature Today. I'm Dave Mistich. Joining us now are Senator Eric Tarr of Putnam County and Senator Michael Maroney of Marshall County. Thanks for joining us, gentlemen. Thank We're going to talk uh, dog racing, the, uh, the Greyhound Breeding Fund. Of course, this is Senate Bill 285. It was up in the Finance Committee, with, which is a committee that both of you guys serve on. Um, we'll start with you, Senator Tarr. Uh, you're in support of this bill. Give me the quick rundown of, of, of your position. Well, I started trying to get both sides of this bill early on. Um, the sides that are wanting to keep the dog racing, they're saying that this money is really an excess tax that comes back into them and kind of using the, the lottery as a bank for that money to come into purse and breeder funds. Um, and then the other side says that no, that this money, their taxation is equal. And so now we're taking, giving them a tax break by giving money back to them. That's one side of it. The other side of it was is that part of the business is not a revenue positive side of the business, in other words, they're not making profit. And in order for them to keep their other business, they have to run the non-profitable business. And so to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense policy-wise. And so I'm, I really wanted to see the discussion in committee. Uh, my mind still was not made up going into committee. People had asked me and I told them, I said, I felt like I was maybe a soft yes. I wanted to hear the debate, I went to the stakeholders meetings. But I did want to see the bill die in committee because I still think there's, there's merit to the other side's argument too. Um, and so I, I wanted to hear the discussion to go on. And Senator Moroney? Well, um, I didn't go to the stakeholders meeting this year because I know the issues. This bill's been up every year I've been down here. Um, it's a, uh, there's, 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 there's more to the story. Uh, so there, the money that comes into the fund that we're talking about getting rid of uh, comes from, it, it, there's a bunch of different components, okay? And it's all related to two-tenths of a paramutual ticket and three-tenths of this. But 
each and every one of those components that goes to this Greyhound breeder fund, there's an equivalent, not a tax, equivalent component that goes to the horses. So we're talking about cutting, cutting off this one, but this one's okay. And they're the exact, they're the exact same revenue sources that go to both of those funds, but we're, we're picking one over the other. That's number one. So, and, it, and it's, not, it's not money, it's not a subsidy by the state, okay? This is the, the, the business of the track, track itself is funding this, the Breeders' Fund, and also the horses. And if this bill passes, this, it'll still be funding the horses, just, just not the dogs. That's number one. Number two is uh, in the city of Wheeling, for instance, and I don't represent Wheeling, I'm District 2, Okay. Just outside uh, of Wheeling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could. I mean, in the northern part of my district, I could skip a rock to, to Wheeling. I'm to, to the island there. I mean, it's really close. Right. There's a lot of. It does affect my district. There's breeders, there's kennels, there's other people that live there and, and such that work work with the track. But the city of Wheeling is downtown. Wheeling is undergoing a, a, a rebirth right now. They're doing a really good job in Wheeling, uh, and they've utilized the TIF district very well. Uh, Wheeling Island, which is where this facility is located, is within that downtown Wheeling's TIF district. And it makes up more than 60% of the TIF district. Um, if this fund's cut off, well, everyone knows what the next couple steps would be. Let's just say the casino is not there anymore, which is very, very likely impossible. Then it would defund or devalue, I should say, devalue the TIF district by more than 60%. And it wouldn't just completely halt future economic development, but goodness gracious, it would affect their bond rating and they might not be able to handle the, the projects they have ongoing already based on stuff they've already funded. Right. And, and, and from what I understand, this is like, what, $17.6 million? Rough? $17 million. Yeah, I think there's like 13.8 that goes to the purse fund and about 3.2 that goes to the breeders. Right, right. And so the way I understand it, this, this is money collected um, from other lottery revenue streams. A am I right in that? The, the way I understand it, and this is, I've had it explained to me by a bunch of different people to try to get the, the true story behind it. Right. So the, this is very complicated. We should it is. It's, it's when you get into the gambling industry and how those revenues are separated, each one's treated differently and it gets very convoluted. And that's one of the, that's one of the problems with this whole situation. But the way that, that I understand it at this point is that the money that comes in from the casino, so the casino then, the, those revenues, they pay a percentage of those into this excess lottery fund and it's held there then to go back out to the breeders and then to the purse fund. Right. So which is that 17 million. And so there's one component of this bill, the way I understand it, is that, that some of these casinos have to have uh, Greyhound racing gambling, and this bill would decouple. It decouples it. Yeah, it doesn't actually outlaw dog racing. Right. So, but I think the impact of it would mean that dog racing doesn't survive. And that part of it, just that part of it is part of what bothers me a bit, is that if you have a, a business that that operates in tandem with another business that the same ownership applies. Right. And the state says you have to operate the non-profitable business in order to keep your profitable business. And that's a taxation in itself that I think is, is, could be fairly huge for a business, especially if that starts to decline and becomes worse and worse. And if it does, does that mean we're on the hook for subsidizing it, if it is a subsidy, more? Right. And your response to that, Senator Murray? Well, the... Um the, the, the laws were set. Everyone developed, these, these TIF districts developed because of the ways the laws were set. The, the people voted on the, the, the referendums for the, you know, to, are we gonna allow table games, are we gonna allow all this other stuff, these casinos, based on you know, where stuff is, okay? And now, as far as the dogs go, it, like, there's been the bills in the past have tried to, you know, they've tried to get from you know, point A to point C 
okay, and they were unable to do that. And so now they're, they're going to take a smaller step, knowing where the end, the, knowing that if you go from A to B, and then from B to C, it's a lot easier to get there. And that's going to, uh, that's, that's what, in essence what this bill is going to do. Uh, and everyone knows that. Um, here's, here's, here's the simple answer. It's not taxpayer money at all. It's money that's coming from the casinos that significantly impacts an area, especially in, in the northern panhandle. And, you know, we passed a law two years ago. Uh, it was after session ended. It was a bad move. I knew it was a bad move, okay? I wasn't a part of it, okay? Uh, it was between some members of the Senate, members of the House, the governor, and it, it, we changed the law so, so a hospital could, could, could do something differently. And now that hospital shut down and they lost thousands of jobs in Wheeling in the past two years because of something we did, okay, that we didn't really have a business, any business in doing. And that was a, that was a, a punch in the gut to the city of Wheeling uh, and that whole northern panhandle. And now to come back and do, do something else again that we have no business messing in is, is just a, a slap in the face on top of the punch in the gut. Right. And, and the way I understand it, there has been a decline in, in Greyhound racing wagering. Uh, I understand that you know, the, the, the Racing Commission, uh, the Wheeling Island Casino Hotel Racetrack in Ohio County and Mardi, Mardi Gras Casino here in Kanawha County saw a decrease, uh, a 13 percent decrease in live in-person wages uh, between 2014 and 2018. Um, it seems to me that this would strengthen your argument for, you know, doing away with this. this the wages that come into it, I mean, that's part of it, and that's the part as far as the actual happens in West Virginia, and I think they call it the live handle, and I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a gambler. So that's I'm the way I understand it. nomenclature quite so much, but... Um, I think that that part of the business has declined, but the overall waging, waging has increased because other parts of the country have, they've not been, they've been DC, or deceasing, wrong word, they've been ceasing dog racing. And right. so as that happens, you have people that are still those fans of dog racing that are now, I guess, doing simulcast betting or something there with the In community. other yeah. states. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not accurate. The, the statement you made about saying it's decreased is not really accurate. Live, yes, but... Um, you know what's also decreased is the amount of people walk into a mall because they they, they do it on their phone, right? They, the right. people so so people don't get out and do much anymore because they stay home and they order everything on their phone and they do stuff on these apps and their computers and stuff. So yes, the live component has decreased, but that the live component that doesn't matter. It matters maybe for crossover play and a few other things, but the overall purse sizes have increased substantially over the past couple of years. Right, and, and, and I'm, I'm reading from... Handle, I should say hand, not purse, handle. The overall handles increase substantially. Right, and, and the way I understand it, there's this group, Gray2K, that's in support of this bill, and the folks that are, that are lobbying on behalf of it, um, they, they called it an, a Depression-era industry that happens to still exist today and is not economically viable. I mean, what, what's your response to that? They're, they're a, that, that, that's a phony fraud organization, as far as I'm concerned. I don't have any respect for that organization. I, uh, I've met with them. I've talked to them in the past. Uh, they, they've been extremely disingenuous in some of the things they've reported. Uh, this has been proven to be wrong. Like, for instance, talking about this being a subsidy. They've, 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 that for two years, they've had a lot of people convinced on that. Uh, I'm not, uh, then they bring in the humane part of it, but yet they, uh, they, don't, they don't have an objection of, of someone sitting on the back of a horse and hitting it with a whip a hundred times when they run around the track, you know, things along those lines. So it's strictly uh, their opinion to me means nothing. Right. And what's your, I mean, what do yeah, you want to... Other than them being in front of committee, I don't think anybody from Gray2K has spoke to me. And to be honest with you, and, and I had you know, people, they bring that side of it to me. I really don't have a strong opinion one way or the other on as far as the, the humane society or all that stuff or the, right. or the animal side of it. To me, 
you know, the reason I came up to this city, this Senate was based on the economy of West Virginia. You know, I'm a, a business guy. I, I want to see businesses succeed, <clears throat> and I want to see the West Virginians benefit from business succeeding. So this one has me in a in a twist, right? right? Because one of the things that that you look at this is it looks like that this the taxpayers are supporting a, a decreasing business and requiring a company to, to continue to operate a failing side of their business. And it, but at the same time, there's an, a community around that that is still dependent on that casino being where it is. And that, so um, that's the reason I'm a soft yes on this and still listening to every bit of the component of it because I don't think it's just as easy and cut as a black and white issue on this. Right, and, and it, it is those, and I, I think it's worth noting that the, both of you are from the same party, you're both Republicans. Mm -hmm. This is a bill from the Senate president. So, I mean, obviously this is not a red or blue issue. It's, right. it's more geographic, at least in your well, concern. Well, well, it is geographic, and, but, but the, the, and that's why I have a hard time, and, and I've, I've talked with this, I've talked about this with the Senate President and, and, and other members of the Senate. I have a hard time trying to figure out why they're getting involved in something that, you know, because as Senators, we protect our, we all want to do better for the state and we want to do better and protect our areas. And why, why they'd come after this area when, when it's not affecting the rest of the state, it, it, it reeks of, of a grudge or, 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 or past issues. It, do, it doesn't, it's not, it's not sound policy as far as, uh, we're really protecting the state's money because it's not, it's not the state's money. And it just, it, it bothers me that they would come after this area and, and, and with reckless abandon uh, to, to hurt an area when, when it doesn't affect anyone else. It, I, do, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Right, any final thoughts just in 15 seconds about this whole issue or? Um, you know, I, I would love to see what I think is probably a good result of this. What I would like to see is I would like to see that that community up there protected from any harm that could be incurred if this was decoupled. Uh, and however that can happen, I don't know that yet, but that's what I would like to see. All right. Well, Senator Eric Tarr of Putnam County, Senator Mike Maroney of Marshall County, thank you both for being here. Thank you. Tomorrow on the legislature today, we two Senate bills attempting to protect health insurance coverage for pre-existing conditions. We'll take a look at both the Republican and Democrat proposed bills. I'm Dave Mistich from here, everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for joining us. Have a good evening.